Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Bodies and Souls, Conversations for the Jewish Woman. My name is Sarah. I'm a certified teacher and school leader. I'm passionate about education and Torah and Hasidus. My name is Rifki. I am a certified nurse, midwife, and Kala teacher. I am passionate about using our bodies and our innate spiritual abilities to serve Hashem in the most healthy and complete way possible. Together, we are pleased to present to you Bodies and Souls, fascinating and informative conversations for you, the Jewish woman. Our aim is to provide you with multidimensional information that will inform and inspire you to be the best version of yourself, supporting your bodies and souls as they strive to be the very best in fulfilling our ultimate potential in bringing Mashiach now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast, Bodies and Souls. Your hosts for today are Sarah Lowenthal. And Rifki Boyarski. Today we have Michal Kramer in the second part, of, uh, the third part, sorry, of our health series. So before we start with Michal, um, I want to remind everyone that as you're listening to our podcast, um, feel free to give us a five stars um, on whatever platform you're listening to. Feel free to reach out if you want to hear something in specific. Um, feel, feel free to connect with Sarah and myself and to help share this podcast further because I know that everyone else will be enjoying it as much as you are. Um, so Michal, let's start with you. Let's focus. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do and how you got into what you are doing? Okay, thank you for inviting me, Sarah and Rifki. So I work as a therapist. My specialized line of work is working as a therapist according to the Torah. That is my passion and my shlichus. So how did I get here? It was a long journey, and I'm really happy to share all the different parts of this journey. It started a very long time ago when I was a little girl in South Africa. I grew up in a small little town called Bloemfontein. Anybody heard of that? It's out in the Bundu. It's not such a small town, um, but it's very small Jewishly. And I was the only Jewish girl, not only Jewish, but from girl in a school of 800 Goyim. My siblings had all left home. And I just remember being very lonely. I had a happy childhood, but I, I was just lonely. And I was thinking to myself, how did I survive? Not only survive, but how did I thrive? And there were a few parts that Hashem really sent me, a lot of messengers and a lot of chizok. So one of them was Baruch Hashem, a loving family who were part of the community, very respected, doing Avodah Sakodesh, and they gave me a lot of support. The second one was a Chabad family that came to this little town for a few years, and they took me under their wings. They were so warm. They let me look after their little kids. We didn't have any children in our house. They gave me so much chios. They taught me Torah. And I have such a korosatov to them. My parents used to go every single morning, early, early, like at half past five, for a walk up a nature reserve. There was a hill right next to our house. It sounds very pastoral. Um, in the freezing winter, in the dark. And I remember that trek up the hill and how cold and how hard it was. And when we got to the top, we saw sunrise over the city. We saw the animals, it was South Africa, yes, scurrying around up in the path that we were walking, the rabbits, the ostriches, giraffes. And something stirred in my neshama. I was a little girl, but I just remember like seeing the sunrise and seeing the beauty of Hashem in nature and that feeling of I'm not alone. I have a connection and Hashem has a connection to Hashem. My parents also used to take me horse riding every week and it was such a therapeutic experience just being able to, when I think of it symbolically, I had a friend who just loved me and accepted me for who I was. But more than that, holding those reins in my hand gave me that feeling of I can rise above the challenges. And that stayed with me. When I was 16, this Chabad family who looked after me um, sent me to Torah Academy in South Africa, to Gan Israel Day Camp. And Chabad just took me into their home. They were so hospitable, so caring. They introduced me to Hasidus. And Shlichus, getting the world ready for Mashiach. 
And that feeling of, you know, the more we work on our Voidus Hashem and the more we inspire others to, we're going to be in the front seats. Isn't that what we all want? I had an amazing teacher for, I think it was history, but she gave us a literature book called The Little Prince. Have you ever heard of that book? Yeah. I have to interrupt for a second before you go to The Little Prince. Who was the Chabad family? <laughs> you keep referencing them, but not naming them. <laughs> the Fishmans, Rabbi right. Pesach and Achana Fishman. I think they have a daughter, Leah. Does that make sense? That's right. Yeah, so yeah, Leah yeah, lives yeah. here in Crown Heights. Her daughter's in my daughter's class. Wow. Right. She's not fish, wow. but she's now, right? Yeah. I've lost touch, but they still have a very warm place in my heart. So back to the little prince. I don't remember the whole story, but that year was this little prince who came out, came down to the earth from a planet far away and just took note of what was going on in the world. And really when he left, he said, he learned one thing one message that he wants to impart. And that is what is essential is invisible to the eye. And that's really Hasidus. Now Hasidus is the, is the Neshama of Torah. It's what's going on deep inside the soul of a Yid. Right? And it's, it's looking for the MS and it's invisible. It's really invisible to the eye. We have to look for it. We have to search for it. We have to be called as Mavakshe Emes, a search for the truth. So that's when the seeds were planted. Off I went to Beis Yaakov Seminary in Eretz Israel. I really missed Hasidus, but I came back to Veterinary Life. And besides all the learning that I did, there was one thing that stuck very uh, vividly. And that was one of our teachers started speaking about special needs children in one of the classes. And this was something so new to me because he presented a topic that Special needs children are special neshamas. The Chazan Ish used to stand up for children with Down syndrome. And he, he said, you know, we, he taught us this, this rav that because their neshamas are so high, they have a very small tikkun to do in the world and they come back like, in limited bodies. And this was a chiddush for me. In South Africa, nobody, well, that was, you know, over a um, <laughs> long, long time ago, over 40 years ago. Um, they never spoke about special needs children. They were just standing under the carpet. You know, that was the age where nobody spoke about it. They were in institutions. They were just never second-class citizens. And my curiosity was piqued. You know, what is this? Something's going on beyond the surface. Like there's an ashama, it's not the body. And I was so curious that after I studied, I did a BA in psychology, I went to study special ed for one year. And I only wanted to do practical uh, work with kids with Down syndrome. And part of Hashem's plan, we prepared the refuah, um, was our second daughter was born with Down syndrome. And it was just, you know, besides the shock, obviously there, you know, there's, the human nature is, it was unexpected. I was in my early 20s, our second child. But I had this emuna and bitachon and the hashkofa of looking beyond the surface, right? There's something bigger going on than my own perception. And integrating emuna and bitachon, you know, in our lives and accepting her for, for her greatness. She's 25 years old today. <laughs> she's a Baruch Hashem. She's working. She's very, very um, um, developed and a shining light in the house. She has her challenges. I can't say it's always, always easy, but that sense of, you know, this is, this is our tikkun, right? I remember once learning that we don't have nevuah in this day and age, and Nisioinos have taken the place of Nebuah. Meaning, when we get a Nisayon, it's Hashem saying, this is what I want from you. Right? I never this is your tafkid. This is your tafkid in life. So, I got very busy with family and looking after her and all the different therapies that she needed. 
And along the way, I was collecting a lot of information. How do I, you know, treating? I really wanted to go into not just treating people, but treating the shamans. I did my BA in psychology and I was very much considering, should I do my master's? And I had this niggly feeling of, it's not for you. Like your nasham is telling you something else. You're looking for something else. And what it was really saying to me is that something, I'm looking for something deeper, something that the eyes can't see. And what was interesting was I looked up what is really psychology, psychology, is a study of the mind. But then I looked up in um, a Hebrew English dictionary that what is psyche, and it said neshama. And that's really what pulled me. What is the study of the neshama? And that's how I got into the line of work. <sighs> I can tell you a little bit more about um, you know, the training and how I got there. Can you tell us briefly about your training? Because when I was doing a little bit of research about you, somebody recommended you and said, you're this amazing uh, Torah-based therapist. And I discovered that you went to the Petre Or Institute. And what is that? And what type of training is that? Okay. So um, it's a very good question. Um, how I got there. I had a, about eight years ago, our baby was very, very unsettled. I don't know what to do with him. And somebody suggested that I go for this type of therapy called Alephet therapy. And when I saw how the treatment like really got to the root of the problem and it really, it really, really helped, I said, I have to learn this. I just have to learn this. I need, I need to know what the MS is. And Baruch Hashem, finally, I, gave, um, I made my way back to Hasidus. So what is the Pitre Or Institute? There's a rabbi in B'nai Brak. His name is Rav Rosenblatt. He's a lel of a Hasid, and he's a mutz on the base team. And he was getting a lot of shyness all about the different types of therapies, some conventional, some alternative. And he was answering shyness, you know, some are mutar, some are asur. And all of them fall into the category of Chochmah Bagoyim Tamim. Right, it comes from the Goyim, a lot of it is good, we can learn from them. But there's something he said, like it touches on the chitzon shelapnim. Like it gets to it gets to something deep, but it's more like the external part of the deep. It's based on universal knowledge, it's also good for the Goyim, but you don't have a different hard drive. We have a different program because we have we have neshamas, and we have something that's called the pnim shelapnim. There's something much deeper that only a yid has. And however good <clears throat> different psychological techniques are, in the Chochmah by the Goyim, they don't touch that very deep root of the makeup of a yid. So he, he um, really investigated and organized what the Torah nefesh is. Like, how do you treat through the Torah? It says the Torah koleles The Torah has everything. So where is therapy in the Torah? And he really organized it. He didn't make it up. He just took, put it all together. Um, he had his own, you know, he, he ran everything by his own rabbeim as well. And I would say that he put the soul back into psychology. He brought the holy into the healing. I like to call it holistic healing, H-O-L-Y. So what is Pitre Or? Uh, Pitre Or in English means the openings of light. So if you know Hasidus, we know about what vessels are light, right? That when we provide the vessels, Hashem provides the light. And we need to make ourselves a key to hold the light. Hashem is giving us shefa. Hashem is giving us so much light, so much bracha, but we need the kli to hold it. And the three garments of the neshama is melech, moach lev kaved, how we think and how we feel and how we behave. So what he taught us is how to, first, first of all, what is the hard drive of the neshama? Like what's it made up of? It's made up of the spheres. It's made up of 
Mele, of Emone Bitachon, and there's so, so, so much. And he taught us how to help the clients to like know their vessel, not to be afraid to find what the cracks are. Now, what's that place that we hurt? You know, that crack is a place where we struggle, where we get stuck. And by repairing that crack, that's how we bring light into that closed place. And the more we hold the light, so the more the more wholeness we have, the more holiness we have. That's so interesting. Um, so I, I know you're talking about the Pistre Or Institute, which is very interesting, um, and how they mesh like Tyrant psychology, Neshamais, and Chachmasagayim, all these very, very interesting, actually interwoven things. Um, but I have a question. When Sarah um, actually brought your name up to me, I said, Sarah, I need to make sure she's licensed. I need to make sure that there's some sort of body, like it's not this organization that somebody just came up and was like, oh, yeah, let's just, you know, give out certifications, which really and, and truly anyone could do and say, oh, now you're you're licensed in, we could call it clothing works. And now you're a licensed clothologist. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't actually mean much. Um, and I think that it gives credibility when we mesh Tyra and science and we like, it gives an added layer of, you know, we really are doing things in the most hashkafically up to date, you know, we're meshing those parts of it. So for whoever is listening, are you also a licensed therapist? Are you also, um, have like advanced degrees in psychology? Is this something that you are able to you know, come at from both perspectives? So I have a degree in psychology that is licensed from a university in America. Um, my master's is not on paper. I, I like to call it a, in Hebrew you say a to'ar, but to'ar. To'ar means a degree, right? With a tough. And tet is to'ar, right? Which is the purity of Torah. So. Petre or is a licensed, it's a licensed institution that trains therapists. They are licensed and they give diplomas, but it's not licensed by the, um, the Ministry of Health, let's say, right? Because it's alternative. You know, they don't always, they don't give license to alternative therapies, but it is an organization um, that is licensed, but I guess not by the body of, so you have a certification in psychology, um, in psych psychology from university as a BA, and then you went on and said, "Let me explore psychology further through the through the realm of Tyra and Chassidus and see what alternative therapies I can give out." Is that did I say that correctly? That's right. Okay, that's right. I think that's very, very nice. Um, I have another question, and just I know that I keep going a little bit more personal. Um, so you keep bringing up all these different um, ways of looking at Tyra. You said Lalavar Chsidis and Chabad Chsidis, and then you brought in the Chsamsa. You're bringing in old, we're, for whoever's listening, and our listeners really are very, very broad. We have unaffiliated, we have modern Orthodox, we have Litvish, Chsidish, Chabad, everyone. So for whoever's listening, is there a, uh, like a, uh, a specific Das Tyra that you follow or a specific Derech that you base most of your work on? Um, so we have our personal Rav, who is um, a Litvisha Rav. When I do the therapy, I do consult with the Rav of Pitreor, and he gives me supervision. Um, and it's based on the work that he's taught us. But it's all Tyra, right? That's wherever many different um, types of Hasidim there are and non Hasidim, we're all united in Torah. And Torah doesn't change. Beautiful answer. Uh, one thing that Rifki and I noticed about you, which may or may not seem different than other therapists is um, on your website and the types of therapies that you talk about, you include physiological and physical conditions. For example, like on your website, what you list are, you can help with ticks, allergies, bedwetting, stomach pain. Um, can you tell us about this this mind and body connection? Yeah. Um, so 
the mind-body connection, you know, even the doctors are on board with this. It's not as alternative as it sounds. Um, stuck feelings and stuck thoughts get stuck in the body. So a doctor can prescribe, you know, paracetamol for headaches, but he can't get to the root of what's causing the headache. He'll say, you know, you should try and reduce your stress because stress is really what's causing it. What the therapy that I do is what stuck thought and emotion is behind the physical manifestation. I mean, we all go through this. I was nervous, a little bit nervous for this interview and right away the butterfly started in my stomach. Um, you know, some people they get tense and they get back pain. I had a few years ago, my nine-year-old was having a hard time with his Rebbe and he developed a tick. He started sniffing all the time. And you couldn't tell me what it was. He was having a hard time, but what this um, treatment did was it very, it, it very um, easily and quickly pinpointed what type of pain he was feeling. I don't remember what it was, but it could have been he was feeling some injustice, he was feeling some anger. And as soon as I just caught it and turned it around, like that's what the treatment does, is, is putting, really replacing negative feelings with positive thoughts. It's just amazing, it just disappeared. We caught it early on, so Baruch Hashem, it didn't get too, too stuck in the body. It says in Mishle, that when one hears something positive, the bones actually widen. They get thicker. I think Tidshan means you know, something grows. So really when one replaces negative thoughts with positive, it affects the body. There's a Torah, there's a Chazal for it. I read recently an interesting study of in the, the first winter rain, the cars um, have a tendency to slip on the roads. And when they studied the drivers, like who had accidents and who didn't have accidents, they noticed that those drivers whose eyes were focused on the wall or on the tree that they were about to crash into, those are the ones that had the accidents. And those that shifted their vision back to the road, they got back on track again. Now, the power of positive thoughts. I love that. Um, I have a question for you. <clears throat> I think that there's a few things that usually strike me when it comes to from people and from thought processes, um, especially when it comes to psychology. The first one is, or medicine, the first one is in medicine in general. We tend to believe in the things that we don't see because we're very much in tune with the fact that we don't see you know, below the surface, which is kind of like what you're talking about. So we, we learn this concept from when we're very young, right? We're told, you know, your neshama's there, Hashem's there. You might not see it, but once you get in tune with it, you'll understand it. And sometimes in medicine, which I don't think in this case is the case, but I think sometimes in medicine, we believe in things that we're not going to see and things that may not even be there because we believe in the possibility of possibilities. But the other thing that I, I think about and, and directly in relationship to um, psychology is that there is a thought process as um, our community involves and as we think, it, you know, that there has to be a connection between Tyra and psychology. And sometimes that connection is actually directly in Tyra. So things like the Tanya, a lot of people can use the Tanya even as a self-help book, right? Because there's so much about self-development and self-attunement and realizing your potential and how to improve your midas that if somebody wasn't Jewish, maybe they would be going to a psychologist for. Um, and I wonder what Sfarim would you say you base the, or the Petre or Institute bases, what are the svarim that like really work towards like self-care and self-improvement and realizing our inner potentials? So I can't pinpoint one sefer because it's very, very wide. It's based on really what all the, the koichas and nefesh are of a person. 
And we don't, as you say, we don't see them, but it's there. <laughs> I give a cute marshal, but you know, some we have a problem now in our lounge in the chandelier that the bulbs keep on blowing. And we keep on swapping the bulbs until the the man at the shop is a little bit getting he's getting tired of exchanging our bulbs, even though they're still under guarantee. He said, I think you should be calling an electrician and checking if there's any problem with the wiring. Um, he's right, but it's much easier to <laughs> change the bulb than um, fix the wiring. And really, when somebody manifests stress, um, tension, and physical manifestations of emotional blockages, what's really happening is that there's something in the wiring, in the kohotas and nefesh, that isn't, that's a bit crooked, like something's not straight. And it says, like when, when all the pipes are flowing and everything's just flowing in a straight way, so the heart is happy. Right? When something's not flowing well, then that's when the stress and the tension and the sadness set in. So if I think about what are those kochas and nefesh and who really discusses them and which sorry, it's so wide. Yeah, I, I really can't even like tell you exactly who it's mostly based on because it's all the sfarim that deal with the pneumia of Torah. Thank like you. The, yeah, like the spirit, it comes from a lot from Toymet Devara and Chovet Alevavos, and then there's the Rambam and there's the Alshich and there's the there's just so much. There's so 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 much, and a lot of you know, it's not all um, based on Hasidic sources, but it's all of Hazal that investigated and delved into the inner workings of the nefesh. Thank you. It's, it, it's really phenomenal to hear you describe how you bring the holy into the healing, the Tyra into the therapy because so often there is a disconnect or there is a separation between the two. Are you able to share while yeah. respecting confidentiality, a success story of how um, you help somebody heal through the wisdom of Tyra? Um, with pleasure. With pleasure. I have so many stories. <laughs> I need to think which one I can um I can really highlight. I'm thinking of two, one that is more on the physical and one more emotional. I'm actually going to bring a story of a, treat, of a treatment that I did on myself a few years ago. Um, we also learn, you know, we learn all the hashkaf and like really the principles that, that Hazal have um, presented to us of what the healthy yid looks like. And one of the principles are the, is that there are three partners in the creation of a child, and every child has those three aspects inside of him. One is the kochas nefesh of his mother, and the kochas nefesh of his father, and the special um, nature that Hashem has given him, right? And all the nisyonis that come along with that. But when I treat, I don't always treat children directly, especially the little ones. I hear the mother and is there anything that she's struggling with that's affecting her child and I'm thinking back um, quite a long time ago when my little boy was three and he would not agree to be toilet trained there was just nothing doing I tried to help him with his fears I tried to um, make charts um, maybe I even tried a punishment. I don't remember. I did everything in the books and nothing was working. And then I decided, you know, let me sit with myself a little bit and, and think. He's having a hard time letting go, letting go of his babyhood and moving on to the next stage. Is there anything that I have a hard time letting go of? Do I have any hard time with separation? Now, I told you as a child, I grew up um, quite lonely. And I do remember, like, when my brother came back from his shiver, it was, like, yonted for me. And when he left, I was so, like, um, I was just sulking for many, many days after that. And recently, and when I was thinking of 
in this um, period and my little boy was having a hard time letting go of his diaper, and so that's what we call a nappy. Um, it was really around the time that my daughter got married and my son went to yeshiva. And it was hard for me to let go of them. I was really feeling the separation. And what I did with myself was thinking, how do I bring a shem into this picture? And I did for myself this treatment. And the positive, besides pinpointing like what the nakud of pain was for me and where I was stuck, there was replacing that stuck thought with a positive thought. And the positive thought that really spoke to me was, I'm, just, I'm not just letting go of them and say, let go and let God. I'm letting go of them to Hashem, the same Hashem who looked after them in my house. It's looking after them now outside of the house. You know, I can let, let my little chickies leave, leave the protection of the mummy's uh, wings and Hashem's got them under his wings and they're going to be okay. And that Imuna statement, so, so it was hard, but it calmed me down and something just shifted inside of me. And the next day, literally, my little boy said, I'm ready, mommy. I love that. No more diapers. <sighs> so it's like the trickle down effect. Um, by the way, uh, the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe talks about this when you have like anxiety or fear of, you know, learning. I know this was an answer that was given to my father-in-law was um, to learn, I think, Bashar Batachan, to really work on letting Hashem take over. Um, and I think that's such a powerful tool that we can use Yiddishkeit to really improve ourselves. Now, I just, for whoever's listening, I'm not saying that that's the answer to all anxiety, you know, like obviously Hashem created medications and different therapies, you know, everything has its place, but sometimes in conjunction, we can work on our inner self to really improve. So I just, whoever's listening, nope, I'm not saying that this is the be all and end all, but I'm saying that there's a very powerful tool to being able to let Hashem take over and to you know really trust the process a little bit more can you share another story because I actually I enjoyed listening to that Okay, so I have a great story of a couple that I worked with. I really worked with the wife. Her husband had quite um, severe, let's say, OCD, and it was manifesting in compulsive shopping. He used to just come home with piles of food, and whenever there was some discount, you know, instead of coming back with let's say five tuners on discount, he came back with 20 pounds of tuna, 20 cans of tuna. And she was having a very, very hard time with this. She sent him for therapy and they, um, the therapist who we tried to work with, um, you know, saw it as something really pathological and was, you know, was working with him on different compulsive behavior skills. Now what was happening was it really wasn't getting better, it was actually getting worse. Um, I have nothing against psychologists and they do wonderful, wonderful work. And when she came to me, I said to her, how about if we try something else? It's not working for now. Um, according to the, the paradigm of what Shalom Bayes is, the husband is the mashbia and the wife is the makabel. Now, what's happening in your personal life in this area? She said, I'm definitely being the mashpia, right? I'm telling him that he cannot spend so, he cannot buy so much, and this does not make me happy. Um, and I'm not giving him any place to be the makabel. I'm just really critical of him. You know, this is not normal. And I said to her, how about if we try to switch this around? And try to be the makabel and say to him, 
you know, thank you so much for always filling our house with so many good things. The neighbors are always knocking on our door whenever they need something. We're never lacking for anything. And she understood where this came from him. Yeah, he grew up in a very deprived childhood. And he always had this feeling of needing to like fill up. He was always, you know, trying to fill up that hole. He was hungry. Um, she understood. And I said, how about if you just take away all that criticism? Yeah, even give him covered. And that's what the Torah says. When we give covered to somebody, we light up in the shama. And give him covered. Thank him for taking care of you, for always providing you with everything that you need. And she did such a change. It was, it was very hard work for her. And the work that we did was what's preventing you from, from doing this work, right? That is like a Torah principle. And what's preventing you? You know, there's a very long bridge from the brain to the heart. And we can know something in our head and something in the heart does not, just does not accept. And we did that work together. And she really, really took off all the pressure. And she started thanking him. And she started to respect him and appreciate and give him a good feeling. You know, the morale says that every relationship is like two people holding onto a rope. So as soon as one lets go, so the other one also completely relaxes. And she relaxed. And the amazing thing was that he said to her, you know, I so appreciate that you're not on my back. <laughs> and I just want to ask you, like, do you have any ideas for me, like how I can work on this? And he started to just have more awareness and started to, to just be more in control of his behavior. They worked out something between them. And the Shalom Bayes did just a whole turnabout. And he really, he really came out of it. I, I actually don't have words right now. This was a very powerful story. It spoke to me on many levels. First of all, as you were telling the story about this husband who's stocking up the house with food, I was thinking, oh my God, I want that. <laughs> I really don't like grocery shopping, <laughs> but, and then when you tell me like that was the work that you did with her to look at it in, in a new light, it, 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 it made me realize the importance of the work that you doing, you're doing, and especially how you bring in this Tyra source about how relationship is two people holding a rope. It just takes one person to drop. Like it, it's really incredible how you could take Tyra and you can transform your whole life. And as Rifki said before, Look in the Sfarim. It's all about self-development. It's all about working on our midas. That's the secret. It's hard work. And that's it's what you work. do. You, you bring Tyra stories, Tyra sources, and you show them to your clients. And you say, this is what our holy Tyra says. And then they take it and bring it into their lives. They take it. And more than that, it gives them meaning, right? It's not just a struggle. You know, when we know that we're doing what Hashem wants from us, it, it brings us to, it gives us happiness, right? It just makes us happy when we're connecting in a way that Hashem wants us to connect. That's the deeper satisfaction that the Neshama gets. So it's essentially a vital is what it is. It's working on your midas to really become an improved person who really is able to accomplish the vida that Hashem sent them into this world, which is a beautiful thing. That's what we're here for. You know, it's like, if we if we think of it as, um, you know, somebody goes to the skate rink and they get their ice skates and they just want to have a good time and be the best ice skater um, that he can. And then after he gives the ice, the ice skates back. Right, we come to this world to fulfill a tafkid and to do the best that we can with the tools that Hashem gives us. And when we do, you know, get to that place and that feeling of I'm, I'm doing what Hashem wants me to do, there's no better satisfaction. I love that. I think that's so, so important. And it's an Hashemah work, is really what it is. It's just us working on Hashemahs, which, which is, you know, a wonderful thing. Michal, I love all of these stories. Can you t- 
tell us another story, but this time, can it be about morphopsychology? I know that you incorporate that into your practice, and I'm really interested in that. I know that it's the study of facial features, chachmas panim, and I know that panim and pnim come from the same sharish. Can you tell us a little bit about this through a story? It's very interesting. Sometimes they surprise us. There was one lady who came to me and said, she's coming because she's super intellectual and her husband's emotional and he feels she can't understand him. And I said to her, that's so interesting because I see on your face that you're so emotional. And she said to me, you're right. How do you know that? And instead of her having to feel like she had to create something from new that she didn't have, it's right there inside of her. And she just had to uncover what was blocking her to feel her emotion, help her to surface and work on communication techniques. Often clients say to me, just tell me what I need to work on. Don't just tell me the good. Tell me what you see in my face that I really need to to work on. And I usually say it's all about balance. You know, whatever we see, whatever one sees on the face, whatever Hashem gives, all the um, capabilities and the strengths and the, the pneumiot is how you use it. I can see on somebody that she's very sensitive. So is she sensitive? Um, does she use her sensitivity for others? Or is she always being sensitive about herself and getting hurt easily? But really, it comes from a good place. Sensitivity is a good thing. And let's see how we can channel it positively. Sometimes parents would ask, should I tell my child her weak points and then she can work on them? The truth is children probably know what they are. They usually do. And they need to be flooded with positive. When we feel positive about ourselves, then we have the tools to work on the negative. And when one has to say something negative to a child, just keep it light. By the way, without too much energy and keep all that energy for pointing out the good. Ayin Tova is the highest sphere. It's part of Keter. And it connects us to the highest part of the Neshama. I'm really enjoying listening to you as a Torah-based integrative coach. I'm amazed at all of the Torah sources that you quote and the huge variety of Torah sources that you're culling from. What is the Tyra definition of mental health? I really mulled over this question a long time. I spoke it over with my husband. I spoke it over with friends. And before I went on the podcast, I phoned my Rav and I said, I just want to check that this is 100% in line with Tyra. And he said, this is it. So there's really two parts to it. The first part is that from therapists, can really help their clients without bringing Torah, Hashkafa and Hashem into the picture. It can be psychological mental health that they're working on and not Torah mental health, and they can do a great job. As long as it's not against Torah, obviously, and Torah, Hashkafa. And I really respect them. They have great tools, they have great skills. They're generally very, very bright because they understand the human mind. But, and this is the big but, There's a missed opportunity. There's a missed opportunity for growth when we don't bring Torah into the picture. I have a friend who's a very top psychologist. And one time she said to me, you know, when a client comes to me, she's so full of packages, like pekalach, weighing down all over her, on her back, on her shoulder, on her head. And really what I do is I help her to reorganize all those pekalach that she can carry it in an easier way. It's more bearable for her. I can't help her change reality, but I can help her cope that they're not so heavy. It's a wonderful idea. The Torah approach is a little bit different. The Baal Shem Tov says that the world is a mirror. Whatever we see is a reflection on who I am. And when I get an Isayon, or I have any challenge, or any emotional pain or difficulty, Hashem is sending that because he wants a tikkun in the nefesh. Each pekala sent to us is a tikkun for the nefesh. And if we hold it up to the light and say, what does Hashem want from me? He's speaking to me through this challenge. Then we're fulfilling 
why he sent the challenge in the first place. We don't always know what it is. Sometimes we have to really ask Das Torah, what is my, what's my waiter here? And whatever it is, there's going to be growth. If it's through Midos, if it's through working on Emunen Mitachon. And when that Pekla did its job, it moved us to a new place in our Vodas Hashem. Hashem can even take it off, take it off one's back. And then it's really lighter. But when we don't examine it and work on it spiritually, it usually comes back in different forms. So that's the first approach. Look beyond the surface. Remember, what's essential is invisible to the eye. What is my Vodas Hashem? The second part, the DSM is full of mental health illnesses. It gets, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it gets updated every few years with new ones. And mostly mental health is about what defines non-acceptable social behavior, thought processes, what does a person not have control of. It helps, you know, mental health is about helping people to lead productive lives. And the Torah also sees it in that way. The Torah also says like somebody who doesn't have normative behavior, like who insists on walking backwards in the road, is called a shoite, shoite milashon steer, he's deviating from the norm. Really, when the body is stronger than the nefesh, a person needs medication and should take it in order to function when he's not in a place of control. But there's a vital difference between psychological mental health and Torah mental health. And this is the message I'd like to leave the listeners with it what I'd like to leave the listeners with today. Rabbi Victor Miller says, a moshul of a snake who slithers under a tree and is very interested in eating up the bird and the top of the tree for his lunch. Now, how is the snake going to eat that bird? The bird can fly away. The snake can't really get up the tree. And the most interesting thing that happens is the snake, the birdie's singing away, oblivious to the snake under the tree. And as soon as the snake starts getting this, the bird's attention, he starts whistling and dancing and moving himself. She, she sees him and she gets so scared, she gets paralyzed and she falls off the branch right into his mouth. She forgot that she had wings. She forgot something very essential, and that is the koach habechira. Now, animals don't have that. <laughs> but as a yid, we have a koach habechira. And when we don't believe in the koach habechira, we also fall into, call it in the sfarim, pitui hanachash, like the clutches of the yetzer, we feel like, this is me. I've always had these feelings. I was traumatized, had a hard childhood. Like These feelings are like the paint on the wall. It's just part of me. This is how I behave. This is my knee-jerk reaction. This is me. And the Chavis Alavago says, someone who doesn't work on meadows falls into addictions. But someone without Bechira says, I can't help it. I can't even work on my meadows. It's too hard for me. Hashem wants us to choose, to choose life. I have a Rebbeton who says something very cute. She says, she says, we have to give ourselves TLC, to live with choice, to be the horse rider, to hold those reins, to direct the horse, that the moach really can control our instincts as hidden. We are the bird and we have wings and we can change and we are not at the mercy of our difficulties, of our backgrounds and of our instincts. You don't have to just react and not think. It's hard. <laughs> and there's a little secret here. To access the Kocha Bechira, we need to be calm because when we tense and stressed, we're in a place of Pizura Nefesh all over the place. We live in a door where there's another generation of so much distractions. We've pulled in so many millions directions. There's so much noise. There's so much um, different aspects that pull us all the time. 
to a not calm place. And we have to make time for that menuchas and nefesh. The Nasham is called Kol de Mamadaka, a very, very quiet voice. We can't, we can, we can almost not hear her when there's a lot of noise. And this is something I'd like to leave the listeners with. Ladies, make time for quiet. Make time to daven. Talk to Hashem. Go into nature. Listen to music. Whatever you need to access that very calm, quiet, full, satisfied place of the neshama, that place of connection. That's where we get our satisfaction from. I always like to bring a makor for what I say. Tinok, a baby in the mother's womb, is so connected to Torah, connected to the malach, teaching Torah, she's from one side of the world to the other. It's true bliss. And as the baby's born, if you change around the letters, tinok is nituk. Nituk means to separate. The baby's separated from the mother. Maybe that's how she starts crying. She's not only separated from the mother, she's separated from Hashem. And if you shift around the words again, comes out tikkun. That the baby's whole life the person's whole journey in life is that tikkun of getting back to the place of connection, getting back to that place of neshama. And when you have menuchas and nefesh, you can make good choices. You can choose what Hashem, what the Ratzon Hashem is. And if anyone is interested to learn more about menuchas and nefesh and gain practical exercises and skills, I have an upcoming course that can be purchased online. You can check it out at my website michalkramer.com I'd love to hear from you and thank you Sarah and Rifki for connecting to what I love for connecting bodies and souls you should have much atzlacha Thank you, Michal. You have such a calm energy. I feel very calm right now and um, thank you for allowing us to have this wonderful conversation with you Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed and grew. Original music of Shamil's Nigan provided by Chazan David Katak. We look forward to your input, feedback, and suggestions. We also have partnership opportunities available. Please email info at bodiessouls.com. Again, info at bodiessouls.com with two S's. Thank you. Thank you.